It's so good to be reminded again of the simplicity of trusting the Lord. Amen. Life isn't simple, that's for sure. Life comes with its difficulties, life comes with its unexpected twists and turns. And yet the answer to the complexities of life is so simple. Trust the Lord. Trust that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Trust that his hand is strong. Trust that he is faithful and he will be faithful all the way to the end. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, your prayers, uh, for your words of encouragement. Many of you have reached out to Annie and me and the kids, and uh, and and there's this uh, sense of of being excited, and yet this sense of of, of sadness um, as we think of new chapters of life, and and even as for us as a family, as we think about uh, new chapters. Uh, not just for ourselves, but for uh, for you, for the TCC family. Uh, God is doing a mighty thing. Uh, not all the time does it look exactly the way that we planned, um, but it does look exactly the way that he planned. God is with us, and God will uh, continue to lead us and continue to guide us, and we pray by his grace that he'll continue to use us for the cause of, of his great name and for the cause of the gospel and the spread of the gospel, not just here in the triangle, but even beyond throughout all peoples and all nations. And it's actually with that in mind that we turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter four. And so I'd ask for you this morning to turn uh, in your scriptures to Matthew chapter four. We're continuing our series in Matthew and we see uh, a Savior, long before any of us uh, were called to be on mission, we see a Savior who is on mission. And it's, uh, it's not just important, but it's encouraging to know that the mission doesn't begin with us, and the mission doesn't end with us. Uh, the mission begins and ends with Jesus. He is the one who is going forth. He is the one who is making his name great, and that he would be so kind to use us and to include us in this great mission, uh, using us where we are, sending us wherever he may send us, uh, is not just encouraging, but it is our very lives. Uh, and I pray that for every single one of you, that you have set your lives on mission uh, with our Lord and our Savior to, to be used however he would want to use you, and to go wherever he would send you, uh, to live however he requires you, that the world may know that Jesus is Christ. Amen? Amen. When you're in Matthew uh, chapter 4, say, I'm there. All right, cool. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It 
is written. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the land of the, I'm sorry, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're going to read the entire chapter, but hopefully that whets our appetite for what the Lord is going to say to us this morning. Let's pray, and may our Lord indeed give us wisdom and instruction, not just to hear, but to heed this great word. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. In the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the unseen, we need your help. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us one who will fight for us. When the tempter comes and tempts us with despair, when the tempter comes and says, why don't you just turn around and go back? This is too weird. This is too mysterious. We, we don't know what life is like here, but we know what life used to be. And we could fall back into the comfortable, fall back into what we knew back in the day, fall back into past sins. We have a Savior who will fight for us. We have a Savior that we can trust. We have a Savior who leads on. So we pray, lead on, King Jesus. Teach us through your word. Shape a people. Use us for the great cause of your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that wherever you lead us, may we, like the disciples, follow you. We thank you, Father, for all of these things. We know, Lord, that there may be some who are in here this morning that do not 
trust Jesus as their Savior. They have not entrusted their lives to, to him. They currently are not following him. And right now, Lord, they are living in the wilderness, being harassed and attacked by the devil. It may not make sense to them. They may not see it. They may not uh, understand their lives as that, but that is exactly what is going on. And Father, we pray that it is by the power of your gospel, Christ, Lord, working through his very word, that they would turn from their sin, that they would repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. May they trust Jesus, and may they know what it's like to be finally, forever, free. Lord, I pray that you would do mighty works among us today. Magnify your name. Exalt your son. Move among us, Holy Spirit. That you and you alone may receive all of the glory and all of the honor. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know from my experience what it's like to be bullied. I know what it's like to have one who is stronger than me uh, impose his will on me. I know what it's like to be the scrawny kid in the locker room. Uh, those of you may not recognize from my stocky, ripped physique that there was a day uh, and there was a time when I was the scrawny junior hire. And I remember what it was like being in PE uh, when you had big football-sized guys that knew that I was the easy target. I know what it's like to experience bullying. I know what it's like uh, to experience bullying even as an adult. Perhaps bullying from uh, folks who are in positions of power, uh, who can impose their will at any time. A new tack here, a new regulation there or perhaps bosses uh, who will change your hours or give you more work than you've ever imagined, certainly not what was in your job description. You know what it's like to have someone stronger than you impose their will on you. You know what it's like, I know what it's like. I know what it's like at the job, I know what it's like in school. And we certainly know what it is like living in this world where there is an unseen realm. Those uh, powers and rulers and authorities that Paul spoke of in Ephesians and Colossians and, and uh, uh, other passages like in Philippians, uh, where Peter could talk about those things as well. There are these spiritual forces that are real. I know that we live in 2024, and I know that that's almost pretty much been uh, reserved for horror movies, right? 
You know, that's the stuff of horror movies, the gory stuff, you know, the exorcist and 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 those types of things, the nun and and all of those other types of horror movies. That's where the supernatural stuff is for. But but in the real world, in reality, we have progressed and we don't follow those old myths and so on. You would be sorely mistaken if that's your mindset. We live in a world where there are invisible powers and invisible forces. We live in a world where there is a real enemy. We call that enemy Satan, the adversary, the devil. And he is busy at work in the world. The scriptures would speak of him as the prince of the power of the air. Uh, scripture would say uh, that of him uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. It would also speak of the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4. And so we know that there is one who has significant power over the world system, significant power over the cultures of this world, significant power over kingdoms and rulers and authorities. And he is a bully. He knows your pressure points. He knows your weak spots. And if we were just honest, we could all admit this morning that we have experienced in some way, shape, or form the attacks of the enemy. The Lord would say to Peter that Satan wishes to sift you like wheat. In my kitchen... Uh, there are certain things that I don't touch. One, because I'm smart. Uh, but a, another is because I don't really know what to do with them. <laughs> uh, one is a little sifter. Y'all ever seen these little sifters? Mine, the one we have at home has a little handle to it and you could pour stuff in it and you just sift it, right? Just shake it, sift it, right? Um, at least that's what I've seen Annie do. And, and you just kind of sift it, you tap it on the side and all that. And all the little flour and everything falls out of the holes. And you do all of that. And then whatever is too thick, too big for those holes stays inside the little sifter. And so you just tap it, sift the thing down. He says, that's what Satan does with Peter. And I believe with all my heart, that's what he wants to do with you. He wants to separate you from your faith. He wants to separate you from God. He wants to separate you. He wants there to be distance between you and the Lord. He wants to inject your sinful desires and all of these things in between. He wants to place a wedge between you and the Holy One. And he will go at it day after day after day after day. There are no day offs. There are no breaks. There's no recess with the evil one. He's on every single day trying to derail your faith and trying to derail your testimony. It's true. You know it. You felt it. You know the sins that are still lodged in, inside your flesh and, and, and you know those desires that you have. Somebody wrongs you. Somebody disrespects you. And you just, you, you know, some of you, you may uh, uh, decide that you just want to say something. You know, you want to attack them with your mouth. That, that, that uh, the, whatever that word that you know is going to cut deep into them, you want to do that. Or maybe you're the type of person that will just 
ball up a fist and wham, if you just had the moment, you would clock them. Some of y'all know what that's like. You've experienced that before. You've gone through that before. What was that? That was the enemy at work in you. Fueling those desires, riling them up in you so that you would not do what the Lord wants you to do. You would not be what the Lord has called you to be. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's laziness. You just don't feel like serving the Lord. You just don't feel like working. And here comes this little voice in your head that says, why don't you just chill? Maybe just another few minutes on social media. Maybe just another round of Minecraft. You know, maybe just a little bit more. It's okay. The work will be there. You'll get the, and all of a sudden, hours have passed. That was just a little subtle attack right there. Maybe it's a sexual desire that you have. Maybe you look a little longer. Do you think, fantasize a little longer? Whatever that may be, it's, it's, it's an attack on the desire, exploiting those desires that you have in you. It could be all kinds of things that are there. Maybe it's a doubt. Maybe you're, you, know, you find yourself uncertain about the future. Dwell on it, dwell on it, and dwell on it to the point that you have no joy in this life. But you can't sleep and, and you can't do anything. And, 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 and instead of turning and taking those things to the Lord, you internalize those things and absorb those things. And, and, and that's the enemy at work in you to say, don't trust the Lord. Don't feel his peace. Don't rest in him. Whatever you do, hold it all into yourself. The enemy, again, at work. Have you experienced the bullying of the devil? Have you experienced the despair? Have you experienced the unbelief? Have you experienced perhaps even the feeling that you just can't let loose of certain sins, like they've got such a grip on you and there's no way that you can get out of that? Where in the world can we find a way out. Who is able to stand up to the bully? <laughs> I've got good news. There is one who is not intimidated by this bully. There is one who has come, who saw you and saw me in our despair, who saw us in our distress, he saw us in our depravity. He saw us being bullied by this big, angelic, demonic creature. And he said, not on my watch. I come to bring a good kingdom. I come to bring good news. And it's going to start with me going face to face with that bully and letting him know that his days are numbered. And that's exactly what he does right here. His name is Jesus. In case you didn't know, his name was Jesus. 
<laughs> In case you didn't know, he is our Savior. He is our King, and he is our Lord. And he does not just sit idly by while his people are being bullied and harassed. He is one who comes to the rescue. He is one who kicks Satan in the teeth. And a day is coming when he's going to crush his head. This is good news. Our Lord brings light into the wilderness. Our Lord shines light in the shadowlands, under the captivity of the enemy. He comes through and he says, I give you a new and better way. And he calls us free. Free to follow him into this new kingdom. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to show you this in the text. You all ready? So let's look at what our Lord does here. Jesus enters into the fray. All the bullying and all the oppression and all the harassment of the enemy. Jesus comes. He enters the shadow lands. Why does he enter into these shadow lands, to these wilderness, this desert where Satan seems to have power and authority? Why does he go into that? Why did he just stay uh, in heaven surrounded by the angels, covered in his own light and glory? Why did he come down? Well, he came to defeat Satan's temptations. That's the first thing we see here. He came to defeat Satan's temptations. Look at this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. A couple things to note here. This is right on the heels of Jesus' baptism. John the Baptist uh, uh, baptizes him, uh, as you would expect from someone who's nicknamed the Baptist. Uh, he baptizes him in the Jordan River. And as he does, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. You hear a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father, who says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. By the way, there are some who deny that God exists in three persons. Sins. They do not believe in the tripersonal uh, being of our God. Uh, you have some uh, who claim to be Christians who would say that God uh, is one person who has manifested himself in three different ways. One passage that I love to take them to is right here in Matthew 3, because there is one person who's in the water, there is one person who descends like a dove, and there is one person who speaks from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I have no idea how you can look at this and say that there's just one person when you have three persons in uh, all active in this moment. Just one of those moments where you see all of the Trinity, the three persons of the Trinity working uh, here in tandem uh, uh, here at the baptism. Special moment. And it's a high water mark for the Lord as he begins his ministry here with his baptism for everyone to see. What's unusual is what happens next. The spirit who descended on Jesus like a dove now leads Jesus to a desert. You say, that's unusual. If this is the beginning of his ministry, why go somewhere that's empty? Why go somewhere that's unpopulated? Well, it says why he took him into the wilderness. He took him in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You say, that's an unusual way to start a ministry. How does your ministry start? It starts with temptation. <laughs> it starts with you being in a situation where Satan is going to come right for you. 
That's an unusual way to start a ministry. I'm sure uh, uh, back when uh, Pastor Sean, Pastor Travis, and the group that started this church, that they would, the first on their agenda wasn't, let's be attacked by Satan right? That's not the way you want to start your ministry. Southeasterners coming here, you, I'm guessing once you graduate and everything and, and you go off and, and serve the Lord wherever he takes you, that you're not going, all right, please, Lord, take me to a place where I will be harassed by the enemy, right? That seems to be a weird way, but that's exactly what's going on here. But I want you to be careful how you read this. Be careful how you read this. This is not Jesus, the victim, being harassed and attacked by a more powerful Satan. No. Mm -mm. Nuh uh. Notice who picks the fight here. Read it again, verse one. Then Jesus was, what's the words? What are the words there? Jesus was led up by. Whom? By the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is not Satan's uh, agenda. This is not Satan's schedule. This is the Spirit's schedule. The Lord is invading the wilderness, and he's going right at the enemy. And he says, let's go a few rounds. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. We would be foolish to try to pick a fight like that. But for the almighty Lord to go into the wilderness, he's on a mission. He's here to put the devil on notice. The kingdom is here. The king has come. And you cannot stop me. So for 40 days and 40 nights, he's fasting in the wilderness. And he's hungry. I love it. He decides that he is going to go uh, a few rounds with Satan at his weakest point. 40 days and 40 nights without any food. He's, he's physically weakened. But yet the fasting, I believe, was associated with prayer, as it typically is in the scriptures. And so even though physically his body is weak, remember what the Lord said later on to Peter when they were praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? And as he's praying, Peter and James and John would keep falling asleep in the middle of the night. He says, come on, get up. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, here he is in this moment. He is physically weak. Oh, but his spirit is ready to go. And so here he goes, and there's the temptations. I believe that the temptations that the devil gives to Lord, our Lord Jesus here, are very similar to the temptations that he gives to us. Look at the first one. He says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And in much the same way as he tempted the Lord, he tempts us with provision. Let's just go to a place where you're nice and comfortable. Get to a place where you don't have any worries. I can take you to a situation where you won't have a care in this world. I know folks who are in situations where they have been promised a whole lot of things. If they just lower their ethics and lower their moral standards, that's a temptation from the enemy. Hey, we'll give you the raise. We'll give you the corner job. You could even pick your hours. 
but you're going to have to tone down your witness a little bit. Yeah, he does this all the time. Here Jesus is 40 days and 40 nights. He has no food. He's, he's weak. He's hungry. And the Lord, or, and the devil says, hey, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you just look at these stones and just make them bread? I mean, remember, you are the one that was in the wilderness and you're the one that brought water from rocks. You're the one that caused the uh, caused it to rain manna and quail. You're you're the one who parted the Red Sea. You're the one who did all of these things. So why don't you just look at that stone and say, you know, uh, uh, cheddar biscuits like Red Lobster, and because that's exactly what I would do if I were in the wilderness. That would be my temptation. And I'm looking at you know he's looking at this and he says, no, 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 on a couple of grounds. One, it's, the Lord does not have to prove anything to Satan. If you're the son of God, he doesn't have to prove that. But even more importantly, what we'll see later is he is going to prove that he's the son of God, but this is not the way. Okay? If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. What does he do? Instead, he turns to the scriptures. He answered, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's very good to have an arsenal for when the enemy attacks. It's very good to have a, a collection of, of scriptures that you fight fire with fire. I know our friends up in Bethlehem uh, uh, Baptist Church in Minneapolis led by the pastor John Piper. They have a, a tradition of what they call fighter verses. Fighter verses. What are those fighter verses? Well, it's artillery. That's what it is. So Satan attacks and says, hey, you know, your life will be so much better. Your life will be so much more comfortable. Your life will be so much more cush if you follow me. And we are to go back and say, no, that's not the way we're supposed to live. My God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory, Philippians 4. Or I have, I'm young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I know the one who is able to go when Elisha the prophet told the, uh, the widow to fill up her water pots with water because she was so neck deep into debt after her husband died. And she did, and there was enough in there to take care of every single need and pay off every single bill. This is the one that we serve. We serve the one who is able to bring manna and quail in the wilderness. The one who's able to feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. The one who's able uh, to meet every single need that you have. Do you have that in your mind? Do you have that in your heart? So that when you are threatened, uh, and because it looks like a promise, but it's actually a threat to say, hey, we're going to dangle this over, over your head and we're going to try to give you some type of security, financial security or anything like that. If you would just stop being a representative of Jesus, do you fight back with these verses, fight back with these stories and say, no, I don't have to trust you for anything because I have a God who is faithful. A God who will take care of us, a God who will lead us, a God who cannot be abandoned, a God who cannot be uh, uh, overpowered and 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 up, uh, um, uh, uh, shown up and all of that. There's no way that you can do more than what my God is able to do. So he tempts him with provision. He says, no, no, 
Okay, so that didn't work. So he says, all right, well, then he's going to take him to the holy city. He goes over to Jerusalem. He says he sets him high on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says to him, again, if you're the son of God, just, you know, jump. Throw yourself down. He says, for it is written, just a little side note here, Satan knows his Bible too. Do you know that? There are many times when someone will twist the scriptures, not in service of the Lord, but in service of the enemy. Be discerning with your ears. Don't just hear the words and say, oh, this is fine. This is great. No, listen to the intent of what scripture said and be able to recognize when something is being taken out of context. By the way, it's 2024, it's election year, brace yourselves, buckle up. There will be a lot of scriptures being taken out of context this year, all right? Happens every time, right? America is the shining city on a hill. They got that from the Bible. It wasn't talking about America, okay? Um, or, Or as the Bible says, God helps those who helps themselves. Ben Franklin did not write the Bible. Okay, and you just on and on and on where people say, well, you know, know, as the good book says, uh, make sure that one, that's what it says. And two, that's what it meant. Don't fall for the trap of people just quoting the Bible. That's exactly what Satan does here. He quotes the scriptures, specifically quotes Psalm 91. And he says, hey, why don't you just throw yourself off the temple? Just a little uh, side note. Um, It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that Psalm 91 is not talking about jumping off a building. Okay, um, how do I prove my trust in the Lord? Well, you know, go over to the top of, uh, of, of Southeast Raleigh High School and, you know, just jump and say, I trust the Lord. You know, that, no, that's not how this works. Okay, he says, he says there, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Yeah, you know, you got your, 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 your hosts. You got your angelic seals who are coming down and they're going to they're going to fight for you they're going to protect you maybe like your angelic secret service right they'll go and they'll scoop you up and everything to make sure you won't fall he says no 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 see if the first one was a temptation of provision this is a temptation to protection okay the lord and uh, the enemy tempts us in that way too don't you want to go the safe way don't you want to go the safe route You know, following Jesus may put you in some precarious situations. Don't you just want to live a carefree life? Don't you just want to live a life where everybody gets along with you, where everybody loves you, everybody's a good friend and everything, nobody has anything against you? Don't you want to live a life where nobody is saying anything about you, no one's slandering you? stabbing you in the back and all of these different things. Well, you know, uh, you know, the best way to do that is to abandon Jesus. Just, you know, again, turn the dial down. You don't have to be one of those crazy, kooky ones, the fanatics that are always talking about, no, no, you don't want to be that kind. You want to be the safe, approachable Christian. The one who never actually lives on their convictions. He says, no. Why? Verse 7. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, he, he fights the temptations 
with Scripture. It is written, he says. It is written, looking at Deuteronomy 6, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, you don't trust God by daring him. You don't trust God by questioning him. You trust him by following. Well, again, in verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. What a promise. I'll give you provision. I'll give you protection here. I'll give you power. Oh, what a temptation power is. All the kingdoms of the world and their glory I will give to you. All of this can be yours. If there is a condition, if, you know, you fall down and worship me. I mean, can you be so stupid? Satan is here trying to get Jesus to bow down and worship him. I mean, what a moron, right? And yet he knows exactly what he's doing. And the Lord here says, be gone, Satan. Back in my, back in my day when I, was a, when I was a little bit younger, back in the 90s, um, teenager and all of that, there was this thing that we would do uh, when so, there was somebody that was annoying us or whatever. We, we, would, we would show them the hand, right? We'd put the hand in the face. And in particular uh, contexts like the one that I grew up, it would be followed with, poof, be gone. <laughs> we, we were so dumb. Uh, but that's how it was in the 90s. You know, all these little slangs. So somebody would say, poof, be gone. You know, and everything. Like that was supposed to do something. But everybody around, you know, oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, that was cold. Which for those who are uninformed, that means that was that was a rather uh, impressive comeback. Um, that's what that means. And so, you know, we would say, poof, be gone. This is exactly what, Sa what the Lord does with Satan. Satan, poof, be gone. All right? Get, get out of here. I don't have any time for this. All right? I don't have any time for you. Why? Because he says there, again, quoting the scriptures, he says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve, okay? Once again, by the way, that's the rest of the verse. <laughs> uh, so uh, as he said there, you shall not put the Lord to, your, uh, to the test in verse 7. Now here you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Uh, that's the rest of the passage in there in Deuteronomy 6. You, we are not here to serve you, Satan. We are here to worship the Lord. Now, here's something that, that you got to pay attention to. Satan has done this over and over and over again in, the, in the, the, the trail of history, in redemptive history. Remember the garden? You know, if you just eat from this tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I mean, doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound great? Yeah, you just eat the fruit and it's good, you know, but like those old commercials, but wait, there's more. You'll also be like God. We'll just throw that in free of charge. And Adam and Eve fell for it. If we go a little bit further down, um, well, actually, even before we go further down, think about the very next generation, Cain and Abel. God accepts Abel's sacrifice, does not 
except Cain's sacrifice. Cain is ticked. Cain, what's your problem? Cain, don't you realize that sin is crouching at the door? Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain chooses rather to be mastered by sin than to master it. Murders his brother. You can go all the way down. Think about Israel in the wilderness, just like this. Israel in the wilderness. And Israel receiving temptations to doubt, temptations to complain, temptations to look back to how it used to be in Egypt. Man, remember back then, back in the day, man, things were great. I mean, yeah, we were slaves and all, but man, the food was lit. Moses, you're fired. We're turning around and we're going back. There's the tempter again. Just as I planned. Why is he so intent here? He's so intent here because he knows what the mission is. The mission is for our Lord Jesus to come and lay down his life on the cross, paying the penalty for all of our sins, being the one and only sacrifice and the one and only means to redemption and to, our, to having the righteousness of God imputed on us. The only way is if Jesus goes to the cross. And so Satan goes, here's my opportunity. I'm going to come in, kind of intercept Jesus on the way to Calvary. And if I can get him off his game, if I can just derail, the plans and all of that, nobody will be forgiven. Nobody will be saved. I win the day and all the plan of God will be ruined. But what he doesn't know is this is God's plan. It's God's plan for Jesus to go straight at him. It's God's plan for him to endure the temptations. It's God's plan for him to overcome all of these temptations. Why? Be so that we could have a high priest who is tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. You have one who knows what it's like to be tempted. Have you been struggling with temptation? Have you been overcome with the temptation to doubt, with the temptation to fear, with the temptation to, to unbelief, with the temptation to lust, with the temptation to anger, with the temptation to laziness, the temptation to, to slander and to gossip and to grumble and all of these other slanders or, or sins and so on? You have one who knows what it's like to feel every single one of those temptations. And yet with every single one of those temptations, he overcame because he had you in mind with every single temptation. He said, I will not go down this path because I love you and you and you and you and me too much for me to be entertained by sin. He endured. He endured and he continued to endure to the point that it says there in Luke, I'm sorry, in Matthew 4, verse 11, then the devil left him. He endured to the point that Satan said, you know what, forget it. And he rolls out. We know what it's like to feel the pressure of temptation. How many of us know what it's like to feel so much pressure under temptation and endure it all the way to the point that Satan stops messing with us anymore? Jesus does. And that's why we can trust him. That's why you can go to him. That's why you can bring your worries and your weaknesses and your sorrows to him. Why you can go to him with your sins. 
Well, you can go to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Every hour I need you. And our Lord Jesus will not turn you away on that day. Instead, he will bring you in and say, this is why I went to battle. I went to battle so that at any moment in your life, you can come to me and know that I will give you all the mercy and the grace that you need to take another step in faith, trusting in me. Boy, this is good news. Ah, there's so much more in Matthew 4. Um, <laughs> we had to camp on this one for a little bit. Now, notice what happens. Notice what happens. The devil leaves him. It says here, it's not a little point, but for sake of time, it's going to have to be a little point. Angels came and were ministering to him. Oh, he overcame the enemy. And he is then worshipped and served by the angels. Who is this man? He's one that we can trust. He's the one who entered into the Shadowlands to defeat Satan's temptations. But that's not all. He also goes for another reason, and that is to bring his kingdom near. Look what it says in verse 12. When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. We're going to have to hold off the, that, that, you know, that, that is quite a big note, that John had been arrested. It's not until, I believe, chapter 14 that Matthew actually elaborates on that. It's one of those things that you just look. It's like and when John was arrested, you're like, whoa, 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 John was arrested yeah, hold on. This is called a foreshadowing. He's like, I got to talk about that a little bit later, but I want you to see what Jesus did after that. He withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, his hometown, he went and lived at Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And he quotes there Isaiah 9, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. He says a light, or sorry, a people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death on them, light has dawned. Look what's going on. Jesus goes into the wilderness. Jesus goes toe to toe with the enemy. And now having shown the enemy what he's capable of, he now goes towards the people. He says, let's go. Hey, hey, Zebulun. Hey, Naphtali. Hey, guys. Guess what? You don't have to stay in the dark. You don't have to stay under the bullying thumb of the enemy. You don't have to live your life like this anymore. Light has come. Light shines in the darkness. And his name is Jesus. Here he comes. And look what he does in verse 17. From that time, he began to preach saying, repent, repent, turn from your sin, turn from your unbelief. Turn from your idolatry. Turn from your worrying. Turn from your lust. Turn from your, from your anger. Turn from your self-created uh, ways of, of salvation. Turn from your self-sufficiency and self-dependency. Turn from all of this, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is a new king. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is Jesus. He's going to show you a better way, a way that leads to life, a way that leads to joy, a way that leads to justice, a way that leads to peace once for all. So now he goes through the towns, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net in the sea for their fishermen. They're just doing their job. Simon and, and, uh, and, and uh, or the, yeah, Simon and Andrew, uh, fishing service. And they're over there doing, you know, working their nets and everything, probably washing them after a long day. And Jesus walks up to them and he says, follow me. 
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You want to be a part of a movement? You want to be a part of a revolution? Follow me and you'll see lives change. Follow me. You'll see those who are under the grip of the enemy be released and loosed. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And that's exactly what they did. It said they immediately, in verse 20, they left their nets and they followed him. And, 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 and so they just, they just get up and they go, I don't totally know who this man is, but I love his vision. I love the kingdom that he's talking about. I'm going. There go the brothers following him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. They're also fishermen, mending their nets. He called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Oh, it gets even better. He goes through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spreads throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those of pressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Notice, uh, Peter and Andrew, follow me. Immediately they go follow him. James and John, follow me. Immediately they go following him. Jesus displays the power of his word and his teaching and the power uh, uh, that he possesses in healing all kinds of diseases and all that. And the people get up and they follow him. What are you doing? Are you following him? Are you following the one who is able to overcome the enemy? Are you following the one who is able to set you free from this world of bullies? and oppression, and harassment? Are you following the one who is able to, 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 to take out all of the enemies that are stacked up against us? Are you following the only one who is able to set you free? As we're going to see in the following chapters, following him is not just sitting tight and enjoying what it means to be free, following him is following him into a life. Jesus is not just, as I like to say, he's not just the way to life. Jesus is the way of life. And he shows us in here that you can't have one without the other. Are you following? You who are gripped with temptation, are you following Jesus? Do you hear him? Come on with me. I got a better way for you. Are you following him? Those of you who are in despair, are you following him? Those of you who are overrun with disease and death and sickness and so on, do you continue to follow him all the way to resurrection life? Do we follow him? Does it mean that things will be as immediate as they were back then? Probably, maybe but maybe not. It depends on his timetable. But what we know is deliverance is sure. A day is coming when every disease will be done away with. A day is coming when we will no longer be talking about our total depravity because our total depravity will be totally vanquished. 
There will come a day when we will no longer be talking about Satan and the world and all of this system that is working against us and our following Jesus because all of it will be thrown into the lake of fire. There is a day that is coming where there will only be joy in his kingdom forever. That day is coming when we will be finally whole. Finally whole. Redemption complete in his presence. Are you following him now to that great day? It's coming. Our Lord, he entered these shadow lands to defeat Satan's temptations. He did so to bring his kingdom near. And he does so to call all of us to follow him. This world, as Martin Luther said, is filled with devils. And it can get tough. It can get hard. It can feel like there's no way out. But there is one who came. And because he came, we have all the hope that there is a kingdom that will put an end to all, all of the evil in this world. Do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to follow him into that good day and into that good kingdom? Let's pray. Oh, Lord. You who raised Jesus from the dead. You have ushered for us a new and better way. We can fight. We can engage in battle. Because we know that our victory is sure. Jesus has secured it with his very own blood. And we can follow him. We can follow him knowing that he will fight for us. We can follow him knowing that his kingdom is sure. And so, Father, I pray that for every one of us, as we now partake of the Lord's Supper, that we would repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That we would turn from our sin. That we would turn from our false gods, our idols. That we would give our lives wholeheartedly to Jesus. And say, you who is mighty to defeat the enemy, you are mighty to save us. And we trust you with our lives. Mm -hmm.